Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hello, and we're back with Ayers on the Road. We have been on the road. We have been on the road so much lately. I cannot keep the car full of gas. <laughs> Honestly, and gas is not cheap. Yeah, the the show was originally named Ayers on the Road because we were in a different city every week. Now we're hanging out a little closer to home. We just got back from New York. Had a wonderful time there. Flood. Flood. We went from fire to flood. Uh, yes, we we did. We talked last time we talked, I think, a couple of weeks ago, about having a fire coming over the mountain. And we spent a while talking about the excitement about that. We were evacuated for three days. And then... And then last week we were in New York and talked about three inches of rain in one hour and getting flooded out. And now we're back in Park City and... Uh, do you think locusts are going to come today? <laughs> What's the next thing on our plate? I don't know. Don't even ask, because um, we're driving up to Bear Lake. It could be a plane crash right in front of our <laughs> our car. Anyway, we're glad to get back to the theme we were pursuing earlier on Ayers on the Road, and it relates to some articles that we're doing in Meridian Magazine on the parental God. The idea that believing in God as a parent, and in our case, in our faith, a literal parent of our spirits, parents with an S of our spirits, believing in a heavenly mother and a heavenly father, changes everything and gives us a perspective that we are just so grateful for. The fact that we lived with our heavenly parents before we came to this earth. The fact that they have a plan for us as parents, for us, their children, it just makes all the difference in the world. And of course, it focuses our attention on the priority of family and of being part of their family. And so it's been really a wonderful experience. We've written 11 out of 12 articles, and uh, you can find them on Meridian Magazine. If you just Google Meridian Magazine, you'll find them there, and you can find them under the IR name. But we think it's so much fun to not just write the articles, but talk about them a little bit on IRs on the Road. Absolutely, because um, it's all about family starting from the very top. <laughs> yeah, starting from the very top. <laughs> and it's funny you'd say that, honey, because the article we're going to talk about this week is actually number 10 in the series, 10 of 12, and it gets down to the practical. Um, in fact, read this first paragraph and it'll be a good lead-in. Uh, it's one thing to discuss the parental God theologically and theoretically and to rejoice in how it can increase our love of God and our faith and our purpose in life. But it's something else again to ask the practical questions. How can we model them? How can we emulate them? How can we try to follow the same principles in our earthly parenting that they follow in their celestial parenting? That's kind of a challenge, isn't it? What Do we know enough about our heavenly parents to say, well, you know, they're perfect, and if we want to be good parents, we should emulate their parenting pattern in every way we can. Well, that's a kind of an awesome sort of big 
cerebral thought, but we want to discuss it with you a little bit today. We want to talk about maybe how we can follow follow their model, and we, we have 15 things, 15 qualities, 15 characteristics, 15 methodologies that we think Scripture and other sources tell us are the way that God parents us. And we want to look at those with you for a minute during this show. And we want to ask you as we talk about these things to, to, to think personally. Think, is that something I could do better with myself? Is that a parenting principle followed by God that I could follow in parenting my own children? That's what we want to see today. So listen to it in that way. And we might mention one other little clarification. Now, Richard has written this, but this is what he said. I will use Heavenly Father and the masculine pronoun for God in this list, but please read in the context of our Heavenly Parents, who as perfect eternal partners share each of these perfect parental characteristics, approaches, and deliberate priorities. All right, so we'll say we'll say Heavenly Father or God or we'll use the masculine pronoun of him, but we're really speaking of they because of our strong belief in a heavenly mother and a heavenly father, a doctrine which separates us from all other faiths. I mean, you can think of God as uh, both genders. Heavenly Father is a little bit harder, Uh, but you can think of it maybe as a surname. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it it, it has changed the way I've thought about it when I say heavenly father because I feel like, the, the mother is there and that they are our parents and they care about us. We don't know why. We don't, yeah. we don't know why there's not more information on Heavenly Mother in Scripture and other sources. That's the subject, by the way, of another article in this series, which we will get to and, and consider on ours on the road. But let's read through the list, Linda. Let's, let's start. These are 15 things that we think there's good evidence and scriptural backup for the fact that this is how God parents us, his spiritual children. But again, we want you to think of it as we go through the list in terms of can you apply this? Can we as parents, mortal parents, earthly parents, imperfect parents, can we strive to employ or practice the same principles in our parenting that God does in his divine perfect parenting. So, number one, God gives complete, unconditional love. Now, talk about starting with the obvious and maybe the hardest one to follow, <laughs> but let's do it. Um, he, we know that God has a deep, personal, unconditional love for each of us and that his love is individual rather than collective. He loves us all equally. He loves the drug addicts, the sinners, and even those who revile him even as he loves those who are true and faithful to his teachings. He knows and appreciates the uniqueness that each of us has. He knows each of us completely, and he applies equal and total love in different ways, as many different ways as he has different children, because each of us has a different need and learns in our own particular way. So Heavenly Father and Christ not only show their love for us, they tell us of their love in countless ways. They tell us through sunsets and wildflowers. They tell us through the random acts of kindness of those we encounter. They tell us through comfort in hard times. 
and little miracles every day. So can we emulate that? That's number one on the list. Can we make our love for our children unconditional? And I think we can. I think. Well, I think we can. I mean, we have had parents who have had drug addicts. I know a, a wonderful family whose son was so addicted that it was you know upsetting uprooting the whole family changing the family configuration and finally to the advice of others they just had to turn him out and say I'm sorry you cannot live here I mean that is still it's well, unconditional well that's a form of tough love that's it a, is that's a form of unconditional love I guess but, if you've come to that conclusion I mean they still loved him they loved him dearly and they they always loved him but I mean there's a happy ending to this story which is not always true um, because he lived in the street for a long time and something happened to his life and he got it together and came back to the church and was in the bishopric. So, I mean, that's highly unlikely yeah. in a lot of cases, but but you still love that child, maybe more, because you think about him so much, you're so worried about him, you're so concerned, and I think maybe it's more unconditional. Well, let's go on with our list because we've got 15 of these to go through. Number two God sees and treats each child as a unique and eternal individual. Have you ever heard the old parenting advice, be fair, treat all of your kids the same? Well, that is not Heavenly Father's method. That's not God's method. He has lovingly put us each into a body, a situation, and a series of circumstances totally unique tailored to what each of us needs. He knows all his children perfectly and loves the uniqueness that makes us each who we are. Boy, that's a tough one, but a powerfully important one to implement, Linda. You look at your children, the whole goal is to get to know each one well enough to know what that child needs, and you don't parent all your children the same way. Exactly. That's the model we need to learn I from I just God. came from caring for some grandchildren. We have one little five-year-old who is belligerent and has had a really hard time <laughs> with a transition of a change. of his. Belligerent his, is a really um, kind word. <laughs> it's kind of. But, you know, this time, this time, I totally went at him differently. I mean, I... Because you understood him yeah, individually. I mean, yeah. I, you, can't, you can't grab him and say, you cannot do that. I mean, you have to set limits, obviously. But I just responded with either ignoring him or, and then just pouring out love afterwards. And we were best friends by the time so, I left so today. Te- so yeah. treat each of them as individuals. That's the, the second lesson we learned so from God's different. parenting. The third one ties right into what you were saying, Linda. Lesson three from God's parenting. Give, give, God gives clear, simple laws with well-announced consequences, rewards, and consequences. And, um, that's, and that's what we have to do. And that's where it can be the same for all kids. They all have to measure up to certain laws in your household and so on. But how you work with each of them is very, very different. And think about that. Our Heavenly Father has never been subtle or ambiguous about his rules. He wrote them on stone tablets. Right. He was very clear about them. (laughs) He gave them to prophets. He wrote them in Scripture. And I think kids really feel so much more secure if they know where their parameters are. They're like, um, you know, beautiful 
horses or dogs. They have a high fence around them. They have a big place to roam and, and enjoy the earth, but there is a big fence around them so that they can't um, hurt themselves. Absolutely. Let's move on. Number four, thinking about the way God parents us. He allows his children the chance to repent. Boy, that's a big one. Um, Heavenly Father wants none of us to fail. His laws are not negotiable, and he knows we will fail, fall short. So there's provision for repentance. And with repentance come complete forgiveness. Boy, that's been a big deal. It's so important for parents yeah. to do that. It, you know, God is not anxious to punish us, and he's not instant or automatic or swift in this justice. Rather, it's justice tempered by mercy and undiminished love. And if we could do that with our, if all parents could allow, don't be anxious to punish. Allow, set up a provision for repentance. In our family, we had a repenting bench. Kids could go and sit there and repent in order to avoid the punishment. Right, and many of you have heard us talk about this before, but they really, when they argued, they had to go sit there, decide what they did wrong, then they had to say to the other one, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I'll try not to do it again. This is a little thing that we rehearsed over and over again, so they had to say it. And give each other a little hug before they left. Well, it was pretty perfunctory, but they did get past the anger of the moment, and I think it was a it was a good way to really learn what repentance means. Let's try to get through one more before we take a break. That'll be number five, and then we'll have ten to cover after the break. And remember, you can read these with an explanation for each of them if you go to Meridian Magazine and read the series that we're writing there. This is article number ten. But let's do number five, honey. God taught us and trained us lovingly and personally throughout a pre-mortal life, and then he gave us choices and agency and let us go. Okay. That's the model we want to follow. Train your children. But then there comes a time when you've got to let it go. Let it go. You all know that song. I'm not going to sing it for you. But it is so hard to let it go. It is so hard. But it's one of those great things that we're learning here. What a model to try to follow, to teach children everything you know, but then to give them their agency. Yikes. It's when? so hard. When it's they're 18, so when they go away to college, when they go on their mission, when? Well, you work up to it, and you, but you make it a complete gift of agency. Right. All right. Well, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Hang on. We've got 10 to go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about 15 things that we know through Scripture and other sources about the way Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Parents, treat us as their children. And we're going through the list and trying to imagine how we can apply these in our own parenting. So, Linda, number six. So, number six, God trusts His children and is completely trustworthy for His children. He trusts us enough to send us into dangerous mortality. He entrusts us not only with our own salvation, but with the stewardship of others of his spirit children. And of course, God is completely trustworthy. What he says is what he does. We need to do that with our children. We need to trust them. 
but we need to be completely trustworthy for them. But, you know, that's hard to do, too. Sure, and all of these When are you hard. say, I'll be there, and then something happens, you don't get there. I mean, it's just really, really hard to follow through on that. It's important to apologize when you, you know, can't go through with your promises. But, boy, when you make a promise, you have to think about that really hard because you need to do it. Here's number seven. It's really an interesting one. God gives us stewardships. God owns everything in his universe, yet he gives us stewardships. He gives us our agency and then so much more. And he does so with the promise that if we learn to handle that steward, stewardship, we will someday own it. Think of that applying to your parenting. Can you give your children stewardships? Can you give them responsibilities? Can you give them certain things they're really in charge of, even though you may be the person that owns them? Can we follow that model of how God parents us? Well, I don't know that we ever really own our children. Um, so, I mean... No, but we own things and we give them stewardship over things in the home or right. in the yard. Well, we have stewardship of our children, but we don't own them. Right, right, so, yeah. of course. And then number eight... God has a plan of happiness for his children. So true. Do we have a plan of happiness for our children? Yeah, but whether or not they follow it is, is it well defined? Have we thought about it to the degree? I mean, think of think of the plan of salvation, the plan of happiness that we that we believe our heavenly parents have for us. Have we, as parents, put our best effort and our prayerful effort into thinking what is our plan for our family? What is our plan to maximize our children's chances to be happy? Number nine, God gives us written advice in the form of Scripture. Think about that. That's interesting. Heavenly Father knows and values the written word, as do his prophets. I mean, remember the story of Lehi sending his boys back at the peril of their lives to get written records. There's something so powerful in that. How can we apply that in our lives? Can we occasionally. I mean, I have a letter from my father that's among the most valuable possessions I have. Do we do we sometimes take the time to write something to our children? Yeah, he wrote that to you because he was on his deathbed. Yeah. You know, he knew he was going. Yeah. But we should take the opportunity to do that too. At, on and some you do a good job, Linda. Occasion. You write so many things. Linda gives a gift to our children when they get married that is her record of their lives, the things she's observed about them as children, and it's a powerful thing. We yeah, each need to think, how can we write things that will continue to be meaningful to our children throughout their lives? Yeah, writing is easier than it used to be because you don't have to mail it. You can just put an email, but of course, yeah. a handwritten letter is even better. Number 10. God allows this constant availability to him through prayer and suggests regular communication. Can we follow that model? Think about it. With God, there are certain set times when we anticipate spiritual communication, perhaps when we partake of the sacrament or when we kneel in family prayer, when we have our personal bedtime prayers. These are like set appointments or spiritual meetings that will keep us in tune. But at the same time, the door is always open. We can always call, and the line is never busy. We can always reach our heavenly parents, our heavenly Father. 
Can we do that with our children? Can we have certain times that are like appointments when we communicate our family home evening or our interviews yeah. individually and our, our with children? Our family councils, how, how well are we doing? The family councils that Elder Ballard, President Ballard, has has suggested right. so many times. Right. We really there there need to be times when you can really. I mean, family home evening got to be just have go get together and have fun for a while. Now with come follow me, obviously we have some specific things to do. But are there times when we really get feedback from them and we, communicate with them? We know parents, and you do too, who have regular interviews with each child, and there's an appointment that they know that your attention will be completely directed to them. But we also, the other side of that, I mean, remember, the model we're following with heavenly parents is they, there are certain times you go to church or have a, 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 an interview with a, a bishop or something, but the main thing is that the channel's always open. You can pray any time. And I think of one of my friends who I really admire this quality in him. He's, he was the CEO of a major corporation but his secretary was instructed that if there was ever a call from one of his children, she was to interrupt him no matter what he was doing and put that call through. He wanted his children to know they could always have access to him no matter what. Yeah, it's interesting just being with uh, our daughter today and with four little kids. And so often she would be talking to them and always she's talking to them and I would try to ask her a question and say, just a minute, Mom, I can't talk right now. And then she's back to the kids. And I, I, I think that really is important. Too often we pay more attention to the adults than we do the children. Very good. Well, we're moving through the list. Number 11, again, we're considering the methods and principles that God parents us and can we implement them with how we parent our children. Number 11. God sent his eldest son to help and to save us. Perhaps this is the most beautiful of all divine parenting stories because it involves our eldest brother. Think of that. A father sending his beloved son to do something only he could do. Do we understand, and we, we've thought a lot about this, honey, that sometimes turning part of the responsibility over to your older children for the younger ones. If you have two children or more, you can set up a kind of a tutor 2D relationship where that older child really feels some responsibility for the younger child. And it's a beautiful thing because both the older and the younger one benefit by that relationship. The younger child gets taught and tutored by someone they can really identify with, their older sibling. And the older sibling begins to feel that powerful responsibility of being part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And, and just going a little bit farther on this, I'm wondering how often we talk to our children about this is because this is what our brother wants us to do. This is what Jesus wants us to do. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, in it's... It's hard to even call him our brother because he's so magnificent and so far beyond just our brother. But it really is important to talk to our children about Jesus all the time. We were in the car with these kids, and there was Jesus stuff going yeah. on the tape recorder yeah. the whole time we were driving around. I just think so often we just talk, think about him on Sunday, and then don't don't talk to our kids about him during the week. Number twelve ties in with that. God. One of God's parenting methods, and you may you may say, "Whoa, how do you how do you 
possibly follow that one. God sends angels. God administers to us through angels. We believe that. We, we, we know it's true. How would a parent do that? Well, you know, there are times when, as a parent, and again, we're not trying to interpret all these. We just want you to think yeah. about how you could follow these models. But we've certainly had times when we've asked a good friend to talk to one of our children about something because we thought they could get through to him better than we could. Yeah. And there was more social distance and so on. And as parents, we ought to use other people we entrust to help us in our parenting. I think there are more angels around us than we realize. In the scriptures, it says, I'll be on your right hand, your left hand. I'll send angels. I'll send angels. And I think there there are angels there all the time helping. And But sometimes they're, you know, down-to-earth angels. <laughs> right. Um, Live-on-earth angels, <laughs> physical angels that make a huge difference. And I have a wonderful story about that, but I'll tell it next time. Um, number 13. God finds joy in his children and in his relationship with them. Boy, that's one we ought to emulate, emulate more. Think about it. God's glory, he tells us in the scripture that his glory is the progress and eternal lives of his own children. And he tells us that joy is the purpose for which he made mortality. I wonder if we, I wonder if we, maybe of all the list, that's the one we ought to focus hardest on is, can we make our family joyful? Can we focus on the joy and the happiness? So often it's easy to focus on the problems or the need to improve or the difficulties that are going on or the frustration of families. How can we follow God's model a little more by focusing on the joy, which comes in moments? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you... It's so easy to just gloss over those moments, and then you look back and think, "Oh, that was a moment that was never joy. happened I again." That was so joyful. I should have appreciated that. In fact, several times that's happened to me just this week. Like, this is never going to happen again. This is so fantastic. I love this moment, and I think that is so important with our kids. Number fourteen, just two to go, and I hope these are as thought-provoking to you as they are to us. They bear a lot more thought than we're giving them in this brief overview. But again, we want you to read them, and we'll give you that reference again. But number fourteen, God gives us specific opportunities for service. That's so important. That's one of the main reasons we have a church, right? Through His church, God gives us opportunities to serve others, to serve people we might not even ever associate with otherwise, people who are not like us or don't live near us or have different needs than us. And, and we can serve on missions or in compassionate service of all kinds. And the service brings us into contact and friendship with such a range of people. Yeah, in fact, in, in our church, uh, we have... Uh, ministering assignments, assignments to minister pe to people, and and sometimes they're very different than us, and we are kind of forced into friendships, yeah. and it's so great because <laughs> sometimes they, that's the most useful thing that we can possibly do is just go ahead and serve these wonderful people. It's do we give our, yeah, do we give our kids that kind of opportunity for service? Right. Some of the wisest parents we know, they're always thinking about. Can we go on a little expedition or can we go feed the homeless next weekend or can we just go down the street where 
where a, a, a neighbor has just lost her husband and is a widow, and can we find ways to help? And giving, you know, kids are great at serving if we as parents give them those opportunities and make them aware of those opportunities. Yeah, I think it's so important, and we've seen um, our kids doing things like that beyond what we ever did, and which is always such a joy to us, as mm. it would be to God. Number 15. God makes family central to all and the core of his purpose. That's what we know most about God as a parent. We know that his family is his priority, and that's the way we need to do with our families. So we conclude this article by saying, I challenge you to read the list again. And as you read it this time, have a pen in your hand and a pencil and say, what ideas do I have to apply that divine way of parenting to my own parenting. We've been doing this kind of since you wrote this, and I think we've been yeah. doing a better job. I mean, because we're just thinking about it. Um, it's so important to remember that this is exactly what God wants us to do, our heavenly parents. So if you want to read more detail, just Google Meridian Magazine. It'll take you to the magazine and then put in the search word ire and it'll bring you to these articles and this is number 10 how do we apply god's parenting methods to our own families so we challenge ourselves and all of you out there to be a little more godlike this week and we <laughs> hope that you will do it i wish we could talk about it next week but we appreciate your tuning in and we'll see you again next time on ires on the road bye bye for now